0: Happy Sunday, everybody. Thank you for joining us for the Sunday Social. Today, I have Steve Hager back with us again from Oklahoma Indian Legal Services. How are you doing today, Steve?
1: Well, I'm doing good, Thomas. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, it's always uh, it's always good to have you back. I know that um, you guys offer a lot of services for uh, Native Americans. And um, as far as, like, anything dealing with CFR court and stuff like that, I know a lot of people don't understand that. Um, so... I know one of the main things that you guys deal with are uh, the wills clinics. Oh yeah, yeah, and I know that that's that's very important because I know that there's a certain percentage that if you if you don't um, specify how you want that split up or who it goes to, then they can just put it like right back to the tribe, or the government can decide what they you know what they want to do with it. Um, so tell us a little bit about these wills clinics and and how that works.
1: Well, that comes out of the uh, American Indian Probate Reform Act, and I think uh, I think that was passed in two thousand and four, and it it does pretty much what you just said. Uh, you know, the wills uh, wills are absolutely essential if you want to control uh, who has your property and and who gets your uh, trust and restricted property, um, and it doesn't happen often, but sometimes uh, under the American Indian Probate Reform Act, uh, you know, you may not, if, if you pass away without a will, uh, your family may not get that property. It may go to to uh, back to the tribe. That's called escheating to the tribe. Uh, it may go to just one family member. Uh, so there's only one way to, to really know if you're... Um, if you're going to be sure and have the property uh, distributed the way you want it distributed, and that's to do a will. And a lot of people get really they get really worried about it and they think, oh, it's going to cost too much and, and uh, they they won't they'll just not do it and you know procrastinate just, yeah, and put it off. Of. And, and it, it's it's kind of uncomfortable to talk about what's going to happen after you die. and a lot of people really don't uh, like doing that. Uh, I sure don't, <laughs> but uh, of course I intend to live forever. Well, do but, you do you uh, think you know. that's
0: a you think that's a cultural thing? Do you think it's it's maybe kind of one of those things where, as uh, Indians, a lot of times we're we're taught you don't really talk about the dead, I think, or you yeah, don't you know you yeah. don't kind of plan for that, and it's kind of like um, I wonder if that's kind of a cultural a cultural thing that that I mean you wouldn't really think about otherwise, but. Um, there's a there's a lot of things that yeah. are still taboo in, in in Indian country,
1: and I think that's that's one of them. Uh, and and you know I I mean, I, I think it's a human uh, thing too. You know <laughs> nobody uh, nobody likes to think about not being here anymore. Uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely a problem. But it's it's uh, it's one of those uh, one of those cultural things that you really need to. To kind of work past because mm. it's it's important to your family uh, to make sure that you have the will the way you want it to be, and uh, at Oklahoma Indian Legal Services we do uh, we we do a lot of wills and and we're just starting out on our. Our 2019 Wills Clinics uh, Extravaganza, where we go—we uh, uh, actually call them uh, Wills Caravans. Uh, we uh, we go out and we uh, will go out to a, a place, and uh, all you have to do is come in and bring your information with you, and uh, you'll walk out with a, a signed and notarized will—one that's one that's ready to go, one that's uh, uh, you know is. Is uh, ready for uh, all you got to do is put it in a strong box and call it good.
0: So how do you how do you qualify for these wills clinics? Is there any qualifications? Do you have to be under certain? Um, is there financial limits or?
1: Well, um, we uh, we can look at it and determine if you're within financial limits, but uh, and we have those with Legal Services Corporation. But we do a lot of wills. Uh, with working with the tribes, and those wills are, are anyone who has trust or restricted land. Um, and we don't, like to, we don't like people to prejudge their worth because a lot of times people will say, oh, I, I, I don't qualify, but they will, because it's dependent on how many people are in your home. You know, it's dependent on your, your bills and your costs. And so a lot of people who may think they don't qualify really do qualify. And the only way to find out is to ask us. So we, you know, we like to believe that most of the people that, uh, that need a will, uh, we can probably help in some way.
0: so how how can they find that out? Is that something that they would call and do over the phone, or is that something you have to do in person?
1: Well, that's something that they can uh, they can do it uh, at the clinic, but we do ask that people call. Uh, when they find the will clinic that they want to go to, you know, they should uh, contact with us and uh, we'll uh, we'll fill out the information and we'll make sure that uh, you know, it's not going to be a deal where you show up and we say, oh, we can't help you. You know, uh, we'll we'll make sure that uh, by the time you get there to, uh, to do a will, uh, that uh, it's going to be as painless and as easy for you as, as we can make
0: it. So you kind of set it up like uh, by appointment?
1: We do, uh, but we have, uh, I mean, the appointment is like, uh, you know, Come in at nine o'clock, and if, but if you get there nine thirty or ten or something like that, we're still going to be there. Uh, we yeah. we do the Wills clinics. Uh, we usually start from about uh, nine or ten in the morning, and we go to three in the afternoon. So we try to get as many people in as as we possibly can, and we we go all over the state of Oklahoma. Um, and, of course, we, we really couldn't do that without the help of our, uh, of our law students. You know, um, Oklahoma has three law schools. Uh, we have one at the University of Tulsa. We have Oklahoma City University, and we have the University of Oklahoma. Uh, and we, uh, you know, we kind of rely on law students to come work for us for free in exchange yeah. for experience. You know, get that get that internship uh, experience Well, going. that's
0: kind of the same way IHS yeah. works, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... That's, that's
1: close, you know. <laughs> Just about the way everybody works now. I, um, I think most of the White House is now interns. But, yeah. uh, you know, we... Um, we do a lot, of, uh, a lot of work with our students, and we also, uh, our uh, attorneys, Jacinta Webster and our executive director, Stephanie Hudson, uh, are actually teaching a course at the University of Oklahoma on doing Indian Wills. And so we have some really good students, really good people from OU doing it. We have uh, OCU, uh, we have students from OCU taking um, their spring break to do uh, a Wills Clinic with us. And we actually have uh, the week after that. We have students from Columbia University uh, coming in to do uh, Will's clinics with us, and it gives them a lot of experience, and it gives us the ability to, uh, you know, to work uh, with people throughout Indian Country and really uh, get a lot of uh, a lot of Will's done. And um, then we'll be doing those uh, all summer long too. Uh, we'll have uh, student interns with us in the summer, and we'll be going out and uh, you know just keep your eyes open in the student news or the student newspapers, the tribal newspapers, and the uh, you know uh, well this program any any kind of uh, website that you uh, look at. Uh, yeah, and we'll I put them. You know, Bush. we'll put
0: them on our um, community calendar. Oh, thanks. Uh, anything that's that's free and open to the public, we'll have it on there on the the community calendar. Um, so you know, stuff like that. That's you know, it's important to get it out there. Um, so where are some of them that are coming up?
1: Well, we've got uh, some coming up in Anadarko. We've got some coming up in uh, Ada. Uh, we'll have uh, some in uh, Lawton. Um, we'll go. Uh, I mean, we go everywhere in oklahoma we'll we'll have wills in wilburton uh will clinics in wilburton you know uh we'll we'll go uh poto you know we'll go any place we don't care
0: yeah (laughs) you know
1: it's uh it's all the same to us we'll uh we'll go wherever uh people need to i i think we've got a few set out even in the kind of the far western parts of oklahoma uh kind of reaching out to to uh maybe some people uh you know that that normally wouldn't uh, wouldn't be in kind of the you know the hot areas you know in Anadarko mm-hmm. or or Lawton but we might we might go out you know kind of kind of reach out to them uh, i like uh, i like going to wills clinics cuz it's always really interesting you know to to talk to the elders and and uh, there's always, uh, always some kind of good story coming out. And
0: you know, yeah, that's the that's the best part about working with elders. I, oh, I worked yeah. in the nursing yeah. homes and stuff like that, and that that was always the best part of it. Just kind of sitting and and talking with them and hearing those stories and and like how things have changed oh, and yeah. you know yeah. that kind of stuff. And you know that's that's what's interesting about this stuff. You know we. We're still dealing, you know. I say we, as as Native Americans, as as American Indians, we're still dealing with a lot of that historical trauma, you oh, know. and, yes, and yes. people don't understand that, but it's a real thing, you know. It's it's ingrained in your DNA, and it's as simple as. A zebra one time that got too close to the lion and the rest of the zebra is imprinted in their mind that don't go close to one of those things or else they're going to eat you exactly and yeah. so as their kids are born they're imprinted with that already they have that instinct to say don't go close to that but it's not instinct it's it's actually historical trauma
1: well, and you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm talking about that uh, this Friday at the uh, American Indian Law Review. They have a symposium down at the University of Oklahoma, and we're going to be talking about the Indian Child Welfare Act and, and how it's become sort of the, uh, there's a great German word that I like to use because it sounds cool, the <laughs> Schwerpunkt, that means the spear point uh-huh. of the attacks against tribal sovereignty. And, you know, the reason is it's not rocket science. The reason why the Indian Child Welfare Act's being attacked is because the tribes don't send lawyers out to ICWA cases. They send social workers out to it. And by the time the lawyers get involved, it could be, you know, really going south. But one of the things that, uh, that I'm talking about uh, at the symposium is, uh, is that historical trauma. And there's a picture that everybody's seen. It's at Carlisle University, you know, and, or Carlisle University, I'm sorry, uh, Carlisle School of Industrial something or other. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's that one, right? And it's this huge, huge group photo of all these little Indian kids, all sorts of them, right? And I mean, the ones up in front, they look like they're about four or five years old, and everybody goes, Oh, look at that picture. Oh, you know. Mm-hmm. But nobody nobody looks at that picture and thinks, Wow, look, every one of those kids represents a broken Indian family. Mm-hmm. You know, those I are mean, kids that were ripped from their homes. Yeah, these and none of these kids, you know, Pennsylvania doesn't have a whole bunch of Indian kids in it. Yeah. These kids are all west of the Mississippi. They're all children who were taken from their families and moved you know halfway across the country uh, and and the entire design behind that was uh, was it was specific it was deliberately meant to destroy the family structure oh, yeah. of, of Indian tribes you know and and I don't think we can say that enough because people want to act like, oh well, that's a long time ago well, yeah. Not really. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And that's the thing. You know, when you're talking about Carlisle and, you know, places like that, you're talking about, you know, what was it, late 1800s, early 1900s? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, my dad, my father was born in 1949, but he was one of the younger ones out of his family. So his parents were born in the Uh 19-teens, you know, so... Going back past that, I'm really only four generations removed from still being on the plains, as Kelly likes to say, oh, yeah. you know, where yeah. we were still, you know, living in a teepee and, you know, drinking water from a stream and hunting and all that kind of stuff. So, and, and that's what I talk about, you know, that historical trauma. Our youth, our kids are taught not to trust anybody in a suit, not to trust white people, not to trust... Anybody that doesn't look like you, you know, because we're, you know, we're, we're protective. We're trying to keep our kids, you know, safe or whatever, but that historical trauma is still there. Even if, even if the parents have tried to break that cycle and, you know, be more inclusive and, you know, not all white people are bad and, you know, all that, it's still there.
1: Yeah, you've, you've got to, you know, you've got to uh, understand that. I mean, uh, there's there's a, a tremendous amount of, of historical trauma. And, and it's not, uh, it's this, and, and part of it is, is the, you know, the, the culture and the society that that we live in today in America, which is, well, what's happening now? You mm. know, we're not going to think about what happened yesterday. But the fact is, is that it's, it's still ongoing. You oh, know, yeah. It hasn't. It hasn't gone away. It hasn't ended, you know. And as far as, uh, I mean, it, it's just you just look at the the way that uh, well, Indian people make up seventeen percent of Oklahoma. Okay, that's the population base, right? Mm-hmm. Indian children, you know, much much lower than that. But let's let's leave it at that number. Let's say seventeen percent. Okay. Mm-hmm explain to me why children in DHS custody are about 33% Native American. You know, wow. that, that means that they're being removed from their homes at twice the rate. At least. Of, yes, of of non-Indian children. And and that can't just be, you can't look at that number and say, well, there's not some level of cultural bias there. Mm-hmm. You, you just can't justify that number. Uh, and when you have, you know, uh, people, uh, saying, well, you know, uh, there's no need for the Indian Child Welfare Act. There's no need for that. You know, why, why can't everybody just get along? You know, we don't even need tribes. I mean, that's Justice Thomas's opinion on the Supreme Court. He says, oh, well, that's an anachronism. We don't need that. But the reality is it, it would be just, uh, just a, a massive loss to Indian people if we don't start protecting sovereignty. Yeah. And the way you do that is by making sure that that spear point, you know, that, that they're not able to attack the Indian Child Welfare Act.
0: Well, and, so, you know, I always have a problem with tribes calling themselves sovereign while they're taking government money. Well. You know, and, and to me, if you want to be truly sovereign, cut those ties. Do it, Do it yourself make your own emergency services your own school have your own roads programs get all the programs that you need to to have your tribe survive and pull away from the federal government and i mean you know we talked about it during the shutdown um how much oh yeah yeah you know how much uh, these tribes rely on that that government money every year and and how we kind of hope that maybe that would be a wake up for a lot of them that look this money's not always going to be there or you know you're not always going to be able to rely on the government but you know getting back to that you know how we were talking about um the historical trauma and how there's so many people that are like get over it, or you know, if you don't like this oh, yeah, country, yeah. you can leave, or you know, <laughs> that's always the my favorite one. Yeah, stupidest
1: thing you can say. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm, and I'm I'm bad about this. Like sometimes I will kind of troll the uh, the really conservative people, like on the new on the news yeah, stations yeah. and stuff. Like I'll, you know just on Facebook, and somebody told you know. That was one of their arguments. If you don't like it, then you can leave. And I was like, "Man, I'm Kiowa. My people been <laughs> here longer than you know before your people yes. ever even saw this land." Like, what are you talking? Like, you can leave. What are you talking yeah. about? But you know, it, and it's the same way with you know people are are so oh slavery was so long ago. Get over it. Segregation. Segregation was in like the fifties. You know, that was when my dad was was young. Um, that. It takes a lot longer than that to just get over something, you know, whenever you're getting the stuff that was happening in the 50s and 60s to black people was the same thing that was happening to Indians at Standing Rock.
1: Well, and and look at what's happening when people say, well, you know, there's uh, you know, what happened at at, uh, you know, when those children were removed from Carlisle? Look at that. That's that's just that's terrible, you know, and those are the same people who you see going uh, talking about the removals at the border, uh, mm. where Indian, where uh, well, not Indian children, <laughs> but but immigrant children. They pretty much some of parents. them are. Some of them are. You Americans. know, I yeah. mean, uh, and they're, that's... they're not American Indian. Uh, they're you know Central American, but yeah, they're they're being removed, mm. and that's not something new. You know, that's something that has always been in the United States' playbook. Yeah, how you know? to how to break a yeah. people, right? And break that's, break that's their what families.
0: And that was, you know, that that's a lot of um I guess we start getting into kind of the conspiracy theories and stuff, but I mean that that's what a lot of, of what the government tried to do with dismantling the Black Panthers and yeah. you know, when they bombed Black Wall Street. And, you know, that a lot of that stuff was was aimed at breaking those families down, you know, removing the husbands from the family and, you know, trying to create that that fissure, trying to trying to split them. You know? Well,
1: and that's that's been a common and it's been a a, a relatively uh, I, I wouldn't say it's been completely unsuccessful, but it's you would think after a while they would notice that that tends not to work. It, yeah. it just causes a tremendous amount of stress and trauma to people, but it doesn't really stop. You know, the tribes didn't go away because yeah. you took their children away. You know, they just, they just had to deal with the, the terrible results of that. Well, you see, know? that was just, that
0: was just one, um, one part of it, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, another big part was to slaughter the buffalo. Oh yes. You know, if you take out the buffalo, you're talking about what we, you, you know, survived you on the, as far as eating. Yeah. Uh, that's what our teepees were made out of, that's what clothes were made out of, our blankets that we slept with. I mean, in the in the wintertime when you couldn't find firewood, you could burn dried burn buffalo chips. Yeah. You know, and and this was this was a staple. And that was, you know, just one of those things that they tried to that they deliberately tried to, you know, it's very Sun Tzu like. Uh, The, you know, cut off the water, cut off the food, uh, you know, starve them out, Uh, divide and conquer. You know, they, they want you to not think of each other as, you know, yeah, we're different tribes, but we're more we're more brothers than anything else. You know, they want, they want these tribes fighting. They love oh, seeing these tribes just a, not getting you know, along, That just you know? plays
1: into their, into their hands. Exactly. The tribes are fighting each other. Or if the tribes say, and, and, you know, I saw this, uh, some with, uh, um, with, when the Cherokees were fighting an adoptive couple versus baby girl, you know, I had people say, well, uh, she's not really Indian, you know, she's. She's a member of the Cherokee Nation, but you know her blood quantum's pretty low and so it shouldn't matter yeah him. so it shouldn't matter well you know do you think have they ever stopped because uh, oh well well we're not going to address this issue with uh, with these Indians because their blood quantum is high Oh no that's not how the system works Mm-mm. you know they'll take anything they can get to, and then they apply it. You know, there's, there's a case out of California that I, I use a lot uh, because it's such a, a dramatic case. They found the Indian Child Welfare Act, uh, well, they, they found an exception to the Indian Child Welfare Act uh, and, and said they had to have the exception to find it unconstitutional. <coughs> The thing about that case is that there weren't any Indians involved in it. <laughs> they had a guy who came in as his parental rights were being terminated, and he said, "Wait, the Indian Child Welfare Act should apply to me because I was a blood brother when I was twelve years old to a Cherokee boy in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee." Well, there aren't any reservations in Tennessee, what in and, the you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not. Any. There's I am no so, definition. I'm so
0: tired of the Cherokee.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, there are 250 some people, uh, groups who, who say, oh yeah, we're, we're Cherokees. Yeah. Yeah. that State a, recognized. Yeah, yeah. The, the pretendians are strong. But,
0: yeah. Hey, it's but, the same way with the, with the Lenape's with yes. the Delaware's, you know, I used to work yeah. for the, I used to work for the Delaware nation and that was something that we were constantly battling, you know, these groups in Connecticut and New Jersey uh-huh. and, you know, uh-huh. just all over because the Lenape were moved so many times and, and went through so many different lands that there's people that have these stories of oh this is somebody that dropped off and then we have a whole tribe that sprouted from this one person that stayed here yes
1: (laughs) well and and you know it's weird too that the blackfeet I, I always kind of I, I don't really understand. Why yeah, that's a, a that's one that people always claim, too. right? That's one. Yeah, you know? and, and it's I, I mean I can kind of understand Cherokees. I can kind of understand Lenapes, but Blackfeet. Really? Yeah, I mean,
0: I, but I, I, have, I have I have always know. noticed that too. Yeah. that's one that's that's thrown thrown around a lot. You know, I mean, you have the famous the quote unquote famous Indians. You know, Crazy Horse, Geronimo, yeah, stuff like that. That you know they usually go to that. Uh a lot of times I've even heard this. Well, my uh my great-grandmother was a full blood Cherokee oh, and yeah, we're related yeah. to Geronimo and Sitting Bull. <laughs> and I'm like, you just they mixed around, about three yeah. different tribes there. So I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how that works. They
1: got around. Yeah. You
0: know? Uh but I mean and and it's so it's so frustrating because I know real Cherokees. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know sure. I know people from from Cherokee, North Carolina and and Cherokees that are here in Oklahoma that actually uh participate in the culture and that's the thing that's the thing that's so frustrating with this whole idea of blood quantum and having to prove that you're so much of whatever and and it was just that's another one of those tactics that was kind of um a different kind of warfare for for the government against American Indians mm-hmm. yep. is that that idea that you have to prove that you're you know uh, there was never this idea of Half white and half whatever, or half this tribe, half that tribe. If you lived with the tribe and spoke their language and dressed accordingly and did the ceremonies and all that, you were that tribe. It didn't matter if you were a captive, or if you were a mixed breed, or whatever it was. You were considered that tribe, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's not, it's not hereditary as much as they wanted to make it seem. It's, it's more cultural identity. It's, it's the way that you've lived, the way you've grown up. So if you—I don't care if you have a card or not. If you don't know anything about your tribe, I'm not considering you a native.
1: Well, and that, that goes to a, a phrase that we use a lot in, in the law. That goes to sovereignty. You know, the tribe— is the arbiter of who is a member mm. you know and that is that is the the most crucial part and that's you know taking it full circle back that's why they were taking kids away, because they wanted to take away that cultural identity. Mm. They wanted it where, you know, if you're taken away when you're four and you go back to the tribe when you're 18.
0: Kill the Indian, save it, the man.
1: Yeah. They wanted it where you were just going, well, I don't know anybody here. I don't know what they're doing. I don't, I don't, don't know, know what, what,
0: they're what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's,
1: that's just exactly. Those
0: kids had the Indian beat out of them
1: well that's you know they
0: they weren't know, allowed to speak their language they weren't allowed to pray they weren't allowed to do you know sing or do any of that stuff you know they were beaten for oh, that and it, tortured yeah. and a lot of them killed you well, know
1: and uh the late great browning pipe uh who taught indian law for years at the university of oklahoma he was you know he was an adjunct professor and he was the only one teaching indian law there and uh he he would call it a cut hair moment because the first thing that happened when you went to Carlisle mm-hmm. is that, you know, you'd see pictures of people and they'd be coming in and they'd have braids and they'd have their hair, you know, uh, kind of in a tribal fashion, whatever tribe they were. And the next time you saw the picture, uh, their hair would be cut short. Mm-hmm. It'd be, you know, in a... Heartbreaking. Just, just, yeah, very cut. And he, he referred to those moments where, where people were kind of uh uh, attacking sovereignty he called those cut hair moments you know is that where you cut hair Hmm. you know is that where is that where you decide that being indian isn't uh isn't really uh valid anymore you know
0: yeah and and it's amazing man it's amazing how um the view has changed so much Um, because you know like we were talking about 50s and 60s and stuff Indians were were looked at as a lower race than even black people. You know, there was there was like levels, and and Indians were at the bottom of all of it. You know, and that's that's just it's it's crazy that it's flip flop to where now everybody wants to be Indian, everybody wants to ancestry DNA and all this crap, and and
1: isn't that weird? Isn't it is. It really is
0: because well, and and the, the bad part about it is the reason why people don't know their history, their family history, if they are in fact Indian is because they, they hit it. Yeah. It was a, it was, was, was it a, they made a point to not talk about it, to make sure that people looked at you as a white person instead of a, a half Indian, half white or whatever. So really when it comes down to it, that's your, that's your, your own folks' fault. You know well, that? I mean, I mean because
1: that's the, that's the dominant culture. That's the effect it has, you know? Mm-hmm. It, and the thing is, uh, when I was a long time ago, uh, when I was in uh, undergraduate college, I, I did a lot of, uh, of studying in uh, speech communication, which wasn't, you know, given speeches. It was talking about kind of uh, sort of a cultural anthropology sort of thing of, of how our society gets to where it gets. And, you know, even a 100 years ago, uh, we had very distinct Cultural variances within the United States—you know, people, uh, people in Maine didn't talk like people in Arizona. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, it was. You very still distinct. see some of that. Yeah, I mean, and, there's there's and you still still see yeah. some of that, but you don't see much of that in the in the media. You know, mm. I mean, the media is the great—it's uh, just the great uh, cleanser. Of, the smooth over of our of our cultures you know we just go oh well you know i see how uh, this person talks so that's how i should talk and you know i mean every this once is the, in a while the idea of the melting
0: people, pot huh? Yeah. Uh, america's always been in love with that with that idea of the melting pot yeah. but um that's going to pretty much do it for us, man. Thank you, Steve, for coming in. It's been a been a blast, and thank everybody for um, listening to our Sunday social again this week. As always, we'll be back next week with another Sunday social, and uh, tell them real quick how they can get a hold of Oklahoma Indian Legal Services, if they have any questions or they want to find out about Will's Clinics or any of that kind of stuff.
1: Oh, get out a pen and paper. It's 1-800-658-1497. That's our 800 number. We... We uh, have a real person answering the phone, so uh, feel free to call them. Oh no, no, we're we're still we're still uh, biological in that regard. (laughs) Thank goodness for that. That's
0: one thing I cannot stand. Oh, I hate the phone. Yeah,
1: (laughs) but thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, it's always a pleasure.
0: It it really is, and I look forward to the next time. Thank you, Steve.